ButcherBox makes it easy and convenient to get the highest quality grass-fed, grass-finished beef, organic free-range chicken, heritage breed pork, and wild-caught seafood without any antibiotics or added hormones delivered straight to your door. For me, I love their ribeye steak with a smoke and reverse sear, their tender belly bacon, which is some of the best uncured bacon on planet Earth. ButcherBox partners with people, small farmers included, that treat their animals in the best possible way and never give any added antibiotics or hormones. When you join, you choose your box and delivery frequency. You can cancel at any time without any penalty, and ButcherBox delivers amazing and fresh meat right to your door in a 100% recyclable box. For a limited time only, get free chicken nuggets for a year and 10% off your first box when you sign up today and use the code WP. That's a 22-ounce bag of gluten-free organic chicken nuggets in every order for a year when you sign up at butcherbox.com forward slash WP and use the code WP. Welcome to Western Contours Podcast, sharing experiences, providing insight, and looking for solutions to become better hunters. We talk gear, on and off season preparation, tips and tactics, conservation, and finding inspiration in the outdoors as sportsmen and women. Thank you for joining us as we share our love for all things Western hunting. my buddy mr Derek depew mountain hunter box fame what's up brother what's going on man uh, <laughs> 75 hard dude <laughs> so we're uh i think we're only a couple weeks separated on our on our uh deal with our starts there we we're kind of hitting you know talking about that uh, before we hit record, so I don't want to bore everybody, but uh, real quick, man, what do you think of that program thus far, and and how's it uh, how's it working out for you? It's no joke, man. It's uh, it's serious. You know, going into it, I had a lot of people saying, "Man, what are you doing that for? That's dumb." And you got to, you know, things like, "Oh, you don't take a picture, so you got to start over." I'm not doing that. That's what the majority of people said, or you know, "Oh, you don't you drink." 127 ounces of water, not 128. And you got to start over to day one. That makes no sense. That's stupid. But I'm like, if you look at it from a diet standpoint, I understand. Because let's face it, if you miss calories or you miss a glass of water when you're dieting hardcore, it's not going to kill you. This is more about mental strength and uh, diving into you know, getting rid of all those excuses and the waste of time throughout the day yeah. and follow through. Uh, that's to me, that's the biggest. Cause that, that mundane task of taking that picture, uh, 30. I almost forgot last night and it sent me a message. Uh, you haven't completed your tasks yet. And I'm looking at the clock. It's like 11, 15. I was like, Oh shit. Dude, I, I, so, I was like, Oh, it's just the picture. Thank God. I, uh, <laughs> 
it was about, it was not about, it was 12 minutes to midnight. I'm usually in bed between 10 and 1030. And I was already asleep. I don't know how or why I popped up and I go, shit, my picture. (laughs) And I looked at the time. Oh shit. 12 minutes. You know, that's when I said it on the app was mine is at midnight. So I hopped up and I grabbed my phone off the nightstand and my phone's freaking updating. And I'm like, son of a bitch. (laughs) So I put the phone down and I'm like looking around and then I, oh shit, ran in the kitchen, grabbed my work phone off the charger, ran in the bathroom, man, ripped that thing up, turned the light on, snap, got it. (laughs) And the next day when, uh, when I went to log or hit, you know, you touch on the app so you can start uh, logging your, your day progress. And there's a picture of Frisella standing there like, did you really do it, you little bitch? With his arms crossed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Continue or start over. And I was like, son of a bitch. I had to look and see if you missed logging it, if that started you over. And I was like nervous as hell. And uh, it didn't. So we're good. We're, we're, I think I'm 30 or 31 days in at this point. And, it, and you know, what's funny is I've progressed through this, the, the days or the weeks that I'm doing, they don't, they don't matter. It doesn't, it, the only thing that matters is day 75 at this point, or excuse me, day 76, because that's when it's yeah. really done, you know? But man, what a, what a phenomenal approach to just show you how you make excuses or, you know what I mean? It, it's just, yeah. man, it, I, I'm digging it, dude. It, it's such a good program so far. So day one, funny story i get this stuff around one o'clock i get a book in the i get the book in the mail somebody sent it to me as a gift and uh i open it up i'm like cool they're like i better download the app right again it's like one o'clock in the afternoon download the app open it i'm reading something on the front page and i hit next this is 75 hours now be gone day one and i'm like what <laughs> i'm like no i was tomorrow yeah yeah tomorrow. and there was no way to go back so i was like all right so i rushed everything man and i clean all day did my water you know i was done i had everything done and it was 12 minutes before midnight when i started reading so I, i'm reading i finished that page at 1201 and i hop on i'm like <sighs> missed it <laughs> i gotta start back one. luckily it was day one but so I get on, on the horn. I was talking with uh, Bear and uh, Bear Taylor. He just completed 75 hard. Dude, awesome dude. Super motivational. So I'm like, bro, this is what happened. He's like, oh, you don't have to start over if you miss midnight. You can adjust that yeah. to the time you go to bed. And I'm like, well, that's stupid. Because I already started. <laughs> so I got another day of this stuff. But it's all right. I'm glad it was day one, not like day 10. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, it, it, man, it's, it's funny how your, your personal accountability grows or increases as you progress through your days. Right. Because where, you know, whereas you, you typically be like, Oh, I could do that tomorrow. Right. You put that one thing off and, uh, Man, you you can't. I can't. I can't stand it now. You know, it's like, oh no, I got to do it now. I got to get this done right now. And like the day you're saying, as the days go by, the more and more you shut that off. Mm. Like I find myself now at about a fifty-fifty. You know what I mean? Like it comes in, and I'm like, ah, I'll just finish it later. I'm like, no, I won't finish it later. I'm doing this now. Yeah. And there's other times where I'm like, yeah, I'll just do this later, and I just go on about my business. 
I'm getting better at it now. Day. So this it, it hasn't been. This is gonna sound. This is gonna sound like bullshit, right? But it hasn't been as hard as I thought it was gonna be, right? I kind of went into this thing blindly with no real expectation, right? I was just like, I'm gonna do this shit because I think I could do it, dude. Day twenty four. I I don't know what it was. And you think about it, day twenty four. You're you're about a third of the way through the damn thing, and. Uh, Man, it was a struggle. The entire day was a struggle for me to get through. It was just like, fuck, another, I got to drink another 30 goddamn ounces of water. You know, it it just, it's the weirdest thing, man, how, how that day hit me. And when I made it through that day and I reflected on it, just understanding that the whole day I didn't want to do it. It was just like, I didn't want to be there and I still did it do that. It, it even made it easier after that. Cause you're like, Shh, I had all the excuses in the world, man. My, my internal little girl was like, oh, let's stop now. <laughs> I was at the birthday party today. And like I said, there were sweets and candy, the pinata, the candy, the pop, the coolers of ice cold Dr. Pepper. I'm like, oh, you know what? Screw it. I don't need this program. I'm just going to have a can of Dr. Pepper. I'm like, no, you're not. You made it this far, dummy. Uh-huh. <laughs> All yeah. that suffering for nothing. Oh, man. That's uh, a great program. Anybody listening, uh, I, I'd say check it out. If you think you got it together and you think that you're utilizing your time and not making excuses, uh, I guarantee you, I'll buy you a six month subscription to Mountain Hunter Box. It uh, <laughs> it will open your freaking eyes because I'm as yeah. busy. I'm as busy as a and I, and I'm probably not right. I don't even feel right saying this at, with doing this, but I'm as busy as you can get uh, between the the day gig and everything else I have going on. And those irons in the fire, you know, they don't. Yeah, there's somebody that has way freaking more, and my excuses they're about shit. So the problem with that is, is that with what we're doing, where we're at in businesses, we let everything compound and then just bust through it all and get it all done. Then if things start to slowly come back and build, because of our excuses of letting things, sl- I'll do it later, and then to where they've got it all straight not all and they don't have it all together but they figured out better ways to keep it streamlined constantly moving they know these days this keeps this move you know what i mean so they're able to tackle quite a bit more and that's hopefully what i'm gaining what we're going to gain from this program yeah i tell you what you know i had a really good lesson uh with that because i got a pretty uh substantial order for uh bino flies and i had to legitimately sit down and figure out because everything is made with these two hands right so i had to legitimately sit down and figure out how much time every single step took so i could make sure i delivered on my commitment to the deadline and uh that it was an impressive and and maybe it's just me it was an impressive feat on my side realizing that okay boom 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 and even with a couple miscalculations i'm like crap i'm behind and and i probably had three weeks to go but oh i'm behind because this should have taken so many days that somehow ties back into the utilization of time in this right and and hopefully this makes it a habit because that was a a one-off at the moment and uh there wasn't it was very eye-opening but it wasn't habitual you know what i mean and i'm hoping that that this makes things more habitual as i 
as I realized the power of, of this program? I think another thing for this for me too was to get me better prepared for elk season. If, you know, I'm ready to go by then that I'm, I'm in somewhat a good shape being that I can't do a lot of working out. I can't hike. I can't do all that stuff. At least I can get my body and my mind right as far as nutrition and other things. So I'm as close to dialed in as I could be when elk season arrives. Hell yeah. That, uh, I can't wait to see the benefit on, on the, uh, on the mountain with it. Right. Because it's, it definitely lends itself to those mornings where you wake up and you're like a weekend and you're just beat to all hell, right? The chase has been, you know, in favor of the elk and there, everyone has those mornings. I don't care who you are. You're going to have them on the mountain. And uh, I'm hoping that, that this translates to that as well. I can't see it not, man. Yeah, absolutely. Well, shoot, you brought it up. Let's talk, uh, a little out-of-state elk prep, man. So, you know, both of us are making pretty good jaunts to get in the elk woods. Um, and there's a ton of information, right? And, and some of this sure. will be recaps. Um, but there's nuances of prepping for an out-of-state hunt that I don't want to say are missed, but aren't really in one place. So I'm hoping that, you know, by the end of this, a guy could, you know, hear this and just say, you know what, screw it. These guys are right. I'm going for it. So I kind of wanted to go down that road, man. And, and, you know, start talking about how we go about planning an out of state hunt, man. Yeah, absolutely. So Um, I'll let you, I'll let you kind of lead us off. Right. And, and I'm sure that our methods are, are similar, but let's start with, you know, planning your attack. Okay. So we'll start with my first hunt that I planned. Uh, I've never been out West, never. So to me, it was, I'm going into the unknown, 100% unknown. I didn't know anybody out there. I didn't know what I was doing. I just started planning. Right. And, uh, I thought this is never going to happen. They're too expensive. You know, in my eyes growing up out of elk hunting realm, you know, we've got deer, turkey, that's about it, was the cost. You know, that was their biggest thing is I can't afford this. When in reality, if you break it down, it's actually not bad. I mean, if you think about laying all the funds down right now, it's going to cost me this. Yeah, it's going to, I mean, you'll never get it done because you'll think about what it's going to cost from here. In two years from now, you're going to be thinking about the same thing. So what I did was I figured out what my tags were going to cost figured out what my travel time, like the distance of travel, what I'm getting miles per gallon. So about average what my fuel is going to cost and then food, right? Cause that's, that's it in a nutshell. That's what you need to know. Everything else is irrelevant. Uh, if you've hunted any other species, then you have hunting equipment that's going to suffice at least for your first year. You might suffer a little more than most, but you'll get through it. And by doing that, you're going to get a better grasp on the things that you need and the things that you absolutely do not need. More importantly, the things that you don't need. I went in the first year. I had some backpacking pack from Mystery Ranch. I had a nine-pound sleeping bag. I had, like, literally every day I was carrying around a 56-pound pack. And I was... 
I was in camp with a couple guys who invited me. It ended up going a year early. So I had to plan even quicker. But I was so unprepared. Physically, mentally, gear-wise, everything was, wasn't was right. You know, I was off on everything. Um, I didn't have any merino. I just had my, you know, my uh, base layers that were um, synthetic, by the way terrible idea in my opinion i know there's guys that run synthetic um but when you're spending eight to ten days it, that sh- it lasts you a day you might be able to get a second day out of synthetic i don't recommend it but it it gets pretty gross so um i learned quickly a lot of that stuff i mean you can get through the hunt with it you know so i figured out that my first time was going to cost me to go hunt elk on my own, it was going to be around 1400 bucks round trip. I could probably cut the price a little bit, but 1400 is where I was at. So I knew if I can, if I can get, you know, I just broke it down. I've got 24 months from now until I go hunt. I need to save X per month, which means I need to save X per week or two weeks. I mean, it basically broke down to like an extra meal a day. I'm saving the money. I don't eat out. I don't get that cup of coffee in the morning. That money goes, I pack a lunch. That money goes towards my elk hunt. Set it aside. There, you've got it. Now you can go. So I'm planning for two years out, and I meet up with some guys when we go a year. It ends up being, he's like, yeah, we need an extra guy for camp. We had some guys bail. Would you be interested? I was like, oh, it's in like a month and a half. I'm like, uh, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I'm going to make this happen either way. These guys hunted elk. They know what they're doing. I don't. This would be a huge opportunity for me to tag along. And we'll move from there. So my planning for that was um, I started going through, like, somebody turned me on to Land of the Free, right? The very first series they did. This was before the second one came out, 2.0. And uh, I started watching. I was like, man, this is this is good, right? And, of course, there's other programs, and they're all – very beneficial, right? And there's a lot of guys out there and a lot of a lot of content out there. What I did was I ordered a book and it was uh, DIY elk hunting, it was called. And uh, I don't read books, so I got the audio version. No, I didn't at the time. And uh, he pretty much broke it down the same way. Like people tell me, oh, you're lucky you get to elk hunt. It's like, I'm not lucky. You, I'm throw, I see you throwing that Wendy's bag in the garbage. I haven't eaten a fast food meal because, like, you know, that money goes towards my elk hunt. He's like, it's just prioritizing. So he's, you know, he goes into elk habitat, elk behavior, things like that. But when it came down to planning my own elk hunt, I, I mean, like I said, I was starting green, fresh. I didn't have direction. I, I got into many, as many elk hunting groups as possible. I got into, I, I listened to everything, every podcast elk hunting related that I could. Um, what benefited me was I got in on a giveaway and I won an elk calling package. So I got calls, I got a bugle tube, I got, I got quite a bit of stuff. But part of that was I got a calling lesson, a three-day calling lesson from Michael Batiste. So I got to get on one. So he got, you know, and I, 
I could blow a turkey diaphragm, but let me tell you, let me try to make an elk sound. I was like Tweety Birds, man. I, I just couldn't do it. It was terrible. So he uh, he got me dialed into just the basic, and I, I'm telling you, all day, every day. That's all I did until I could get it to where at least I can make the basic elk sounds. Um, I had an app on my phone, and let me see if I can remember what it was. It was for uh, like gear list, right? So you can track what you have, what you need, what you're taking, what you're going to leave behind. Um, and um, it, you can do it all in this app. The problem with the app that I had, okay, it's called Gear Inventory. So in that app, you can enter all the gear that you have in there. It will give you weights. It will give you everything you need. What's good about that is you have a checklist now, so you don't forget to get anything. As you're going through it, you can check. You know, guys say, well, you're going to need this. You could throw it on there, and you could check the box that says you don't have it. So then it's marked, hey, I don't have this. And I went through that. Let me. Well, after my first elk hunt, I got rid of half of that stuff because I didn't need it. But it was really good to keep me organized for that. You know what I mean? It was really good to keep my gear together. I knew what I had and what I needed. So that worked out well. Um, I would say where to hunt was probably one of the toughest for me because the first thing I did, like everybody who's planning their first elk hunt, was I got on a forum. What's the best unit? I'm not looking to kill something. You know, all the forums, my first thing I did was walk in and say, what, you know, I want to go somewhere where I can just get on elk. I'm not looking for your best spot, right? That's the, that is the standard question that's across all elk forms. Ridicule. Guys, don't, <laughs> guys, don't ask that question. I'm just going to, I'm going to give you that courtesy. Don't go on these forums and say, where can I go hunt elk? Cause they're going to tell you where there's elk or they're going to tell you in the woods or some bullshit. Nobody's going <laughs> to, Nobody's going to tell you a spot where there's elk. I didn't realize how sacred this was until I dove into it. So that was probably the biggest challenge for me. That's kind um, of chicken shit, man. I would just call it out, right? Because, yeah. you know, as as much as we want to say how we need to support each other and new guys and people coming in, man, I've seen some of those forums and holy – it's now – I'll qualify it right now. If a guy is like, Hey, you know, where is that? And there's like a yeah. grip and grin or something like, okay, I get it. Or if a guy has, you know, a, a quick clip or something with elk, where is that is not the appropriate question. But for somebody just to shit on a guy, you know, you look at unit, call it 71 in Colorado. That's a big fucking unit, man. So not yeah. to just be like, you know, I don't know. Anywho, I won't even go off on that fucking thing. <laughs> Unreal. Like, Good questions to ask are, you know, if I take this trailhead, am I going to run into bad obstacles? Or, you know, I see there's a campground here. Is this access for horse trail? You know, you just do your research and then, then you can ask questions about those areas that you're hunting. And uh, you can even call, I mean, as every podcast ever tells you you can call the department colorado or wherever you're going department of wildlife or fishing game or whatever they're called in that state and they will tell you they will answer your questions 
they will answer, you know, what's going on in that area. They'll answer, you know, access river crossings. If you know, you got to cross water, how easy that is, or if it's going to be deep or what, I mean, those are the questions I asked on our, our first go without those other guys that I went with my first year, called them up. I said, these are the areas I'm looking. It looks like there's some timber cuts here. Are these active? Are they out there logging now? It's like, no, you know, it shows active on the maps, but they're not active now. They're not working in there. Uh, I would stay away from this area because there's tons of campers in there and that gets inundated with hunters uh, in the season. Like he was very helpful. But I had questions lined up. So, you know, get a piece of paper or a pen, write down five questions that you need the answers to that you're having a hard time with. Because asking on Facebook, those guys, I know they all cut. The problem is, is they're going to give you bullshit answers most of the time. Mm-hmm. So have some good questions lined up and they will be more than happy to help you. Um, so they're not going to tell you where the elk are again, but they will, they will definitely break it down and some of the questions you have to make things easier for you when you get there and, and to have a better idea what to expect when you get there. So, they, you know, it, I don't know. I've never been one to get on those forums and do that kind of stuff. Right. I, I always feel like my best, my best learning is hands-on, right. Regardless yeah. of what it is. So for me, you know, I get that you want to help it out, but yeah. at the same time, it's it's okay not to know shit and still go get out in the woods, right? Yeah. And and go and, and struggle and figure it out. I mean, there's you know, without asking the question, I'm not deterring a guy from doing that if that's how they choose. But you know, knowing that you're going to catch shit for me, it's like, man, you can you know, you can get on go hunt. Yeah, it's going to cost you. I think the membership is well, it's a, it's up there. It's like 134 bucks for the year. Yeah. Um, but it's a hell of a resource if you're serious about, um, you know, really delving into it. Uh, a Absolutely. great, great resource. And if not, you can get on, you know, I, I, I don't want to say Colorado, but it's an easy, it's easy pickings in terms of, you know, that first out-of-state elk hunt, right? Because you got the yeah. OTC opportunities. It's, closest. it's the closest elk hunt to the eastern states. That's why a lot of guys go there. Um, for travel purposes, it is... 20 through 20 to 24 hours for most of us. Whereas you jump into Wyoming and some of the other ones, you're looking at 29. If you get into Idaho, you're looking at 30 plus hours. Like it is a jaunt to get to those other States. Um, drive time. I mean, if you're flying and, and you've got the logistics figured out for flying, then I guess it doesn't matter. But that's, I think that's the reason why a lot of outer staters hit jump on Colorado off the gate because it's close. You know what I mean? And, and, To me, it's and I hate to do this to the folks in Colorado, right, because it's already crowded, but it it is it it's it lends itself to that guy that just wants the you know, to get into it and is trying to figure it out because you can just go hunt elk. You know, you don't have to know shit. You can get on, you know, uh, CPW. They do a great job with the data that they put on their website. Um, yeah, you can, I mean, you can pick that stuff apart. And honestly, I think you'd probably do better than that than getting your ass handed to you on a forum, you know, asking some of the questions. Um, but you can, you can absolutely get into elk numbers and have a good understanding. And like you're saying, you can plan it, you know, I don't want to drive all the way to the, you know, to 62, which is damn near the western edge of the state. And I can, you know, I can 
hunt here in 74 and 16, which is, you know, yeah. that, that North central area. Uh, I think that's what outside of Fort Collins, just West of Fort Collins. I'm just throwing, don't people don't take these units. I'm saying, uh, seriously, yeah. if you're listening to it for that, but I'm just, you know, examples of, um, and there's a ton of information again that Colorado provides, um, but I I swear the best the best is just saying I'm going to do it and committing to it, um, and and just learning that information. You'll be better off for it, right? If if I rely on on Derek Depew on a forum and he's ready to yeah. give me shit. Uh, um, it's going to be one discouraging, but then you still don't know where to look, right? Because yeah. it, it just didn't get me anywhere. Yeah, I agree. Yep. So I would say, I'm just going to throw this out there. You can see on any, any one of the mapping programs, if you get on Onyx or Base Map, or if you get on like Top Rock, Go Hunt, any of those, anything that's going to be related to mapping and elk hunting, you're going to see that most from central to western, or even east central to the western part of the state are going to be units with huntable elk. The eastern part of that state is a lot of ranches and stuff, so there's not a lot of public hunting over there. That's why you don't see a lot of, a lot of that talked about. But most of the over-the-counter units... I'm just going to say all the over-counter units have elk in them. None of those units don't have elk. It's not like you're going to go in there and if you do everything right, you're going to run into elk, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, to a point. But so don't get so caught up on, oh, my God, I got to go to this unit. Or I, I can't go to that unit. That one's terrible. I got to go to this one. Listen, my first year on ourselves, we went to a unit that was very low average and – very low numbers, very low kill, and very high hunter numbers. We went in and we got into elk about a half dozen times out of the half dozen, about six days out of the 10, we were in elk. And then the next year we went into a, a very, a, a much higher ranked unit and we saw elk once. So don't be, don't be hundred percent caught up on the numbers that you've seen. If you're confident in your, what you're mapping out and you're confident in the areas that you're going into, if you've done your research and you know how, how the elk are and how they behave and you know, the hunter's patterns, you have an idea you'll learn over time. Um, then you can pretty much go to any unit and get into elk. It may not be anything more than a four by four or a five by five, but who cares? You're going to have a good time. Mm -hmm. Keep an open mind that you just go in there to see elk. And, uh, if you do that, I think your odds are going to go through the roof. So I, I'm going to bring it up just because you said it. It was, you know, it'll it'll be a talking point if I remember later in the episode here. But when you start looking at the stats, right, as you're going through, you know, CPW or Go Hunt, whatever it is, you know, and a lot of guys, yes, we want to increase our chances, right, of, of being in that 10%. But there is something to be said about looking at a unit that has a lower success rate with huntable elk because you're you're likely going to come across less people, less hunters. Yes. Hence, less hunting pressure, less pressure on the elk. Um, and it may make 
your opportunities. And that's kind of what I'm hearing, you know, what you saying uh, with with, you know, six out of 10, you know, you're 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 having interactions. Um, those those lower number units are that way for a reason. And, and everyone seems to shy away from them. But yeah. success is in those units right across the board. I mean, you're talking 10 percent success. There's a couple of units that I've noticed that are lower than that. Um, but it's, you know, is that 10 percent, is that seven or eight percent because the numbers are less? I don't know how they actually figure that stuff out. If it's total in that unit, I don't know how they would even get a number on some of those OTC units um, if, if guys are reporting. One thing I do, here's a little tip, I guess you can call it, not that I'm an expert or I know what I'm doing, but one thing I'll do when I look at percentages, let's just say the unit has a 20 to 100 bull to cow ratio, and you're looking at a success rate of, if you're going in for an archery hunt and you're looking at a success rate of about 9%, if you look at muzzleloader success rate, rifle success rate, and all those other success rates, and they're much higher, you have to understand that bow hunting's hard as it is, and when you're chasing elk through mountains, bow hunting is much tougher. It doesn't mean that the rest of those hunters didn't see elk and didn't get into elk. It just means those were who were successful and killed those elk. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't mean that the other 90% of the people that went there got skunked. It just means those tags weren't punched for whatever reason. Right. So it's something I like to keep in my head what I'll do. And I know, listen, I understand that, you know, certain times of year elk are in certain places, right? So it's going to differ from rifle to archery and things like that. I know that. In some units, they stay in the same areas, but for the most part, they're moving. But if I'm seeing quite a bit higher across every season but archery, and archery is at 7 or 8%, I'm going to look into that unit mm-hmm. a little deeper. And I'm going to start, you know, I'll dive into uh, Google Earth. I'll dive into Onyx, Basemap, whatever. I'll really pick apart the unit and see, hey, you know, there's some really good-looking spots in here. And you don't have to rule that unit out. Just having the bike, your mind. If nothing else is going around in the prime unit that you thought, hey, I'm going to go in here. We're going to have elk everywhere. And you go in there and your plan falls apart. Leave that one as your backup plan. And you can go in there in those couple areas in that unit and just, you know, grind through them and see what you come across. You might surprise yourself and find yourself in a bugle fest. I mean, you never know. So for me, right, it, it... – the, the the planning portion of this, right? And you, and you talked about, you know, your dollars, right? Is is preparing the entire year, preparing for two years. Um, I mean, I think you said 1500 bucks, right? So if you look at what 1500 bucks is, um, and that that's considering that you have most of the gear you need, right? 1500 bucks is $5 a day for 300 days out of the year. It's not a, not a huge not a huge task, right? It really, really isn't a huge task. No, and that's what that, when that book, he said, it's a cup of coffee a day. Mm-hmm. Don't get your Starbucks coffee or wherever you go get your coffee because it costs you five bucks. Don't get your coffee and save that $5 and you can go home. That's how he put it. Uh, I don't it's... drink $5 coffee. I never will, but. <laughs> <laughs> but it, I mean, really that, 
so that, you know, that portion of the planning isn't, it's not an arduous task. Now I, I get it, right? People have hardships. Um, some folks are, are barely getting by, but if you, now if yeah. you broke that out into a two year or a three year planning situation, right. right? That daily cost decreases. How bad do you want to go chase the magical wapiti? Um, that's what it, that's what it boils down to. How bad do you want to do yep. it? Is it just something you're talking about? Because it's just like everything else in life. If you look at it from a whole, damn, that's going to take a lot or damn, that's impossible. But if you start breaking it down piece by piece, month by month, year, whatever, however far out you want to put it. I mean, let's face it. We can all afford to do any hunt we want mm -hmm. by doing it that way. Yep. If we want to go chase bighorn sheep or we want to go chase tar in New Zealand, whatever we want to do, it may not be six months from now when season starts. It may be a few years from now. Mm -hmm. That's okay, too, because you'll be able to experience that. And you worked harder to get it, and you'll appreciate it. Paul. Oh, heck, yeah. So I'm a spreadsheet guy, man. Um, I mean, even even after doing this a few years now, uh, like when I sat down with the buddies, you know, preparing last year's hunt, it, dude, I, I create a spreadsheet for everything. So I created a gear spreadsheet. I shit when I just, I just built my bow and for my, for my new bow build, it was a spreadsheet of what I saw going into it. My arrows, my bow, all the components, everything. Right. So I'm a huge, a, a firm, firm believer in spreadsheet in that mess. Um, everything from, you know, what's it going to cost in terms of my travel, um, how much is my backpack food going to cost? Or are we in a base camp situation? What do we need in food for that? Are we splitting food if it's base camp situation? Um, do I need a stove right in my pack? Uh, does, is my buddy bringing a stove or does he not have a stove? Okay, that's an extra canister of fuel that he's going to have to carry. And so, dude, I spreadsheet absolutely everything. And, and it really, really does help with the entire planning process i mean everything from the tag to you know like i say down to the snack um you, you gotta if you if you want to get out there and you gotta maximize your dollar you're gonna you can't wing it right you gotta know with what you're working with you gotta know what's out in front of you because the worst thing you could do is say okay i'm going on this hunt and get out there and realize that you have a hundred dollars to in your pocket um and you forgot something or you have a blowout on the truck and then your your trailer tire blows out right now you're looking at it going and and dudes get stranded i met a guy last year and they uh they were from wisconsin dude they drove all the way out um his buddy drove his truck they drove a motor home, towed a trailer, and he said it took them six days to get there with all the problems they had. And they refused to turn around. And he said, I probably should have. The day I met him, he had a blowout on his little uh, UTV. And he was just like, holy crap. And luckily, I, you know, I had the Jeep. I had some slime, some plugs. So we plugged him up and helped him out. But he was like, man, thanks. I don't know what. I was going to do because that's how they base their hunt. They, they didn't have yeah. packs. They base their hunt off of getting that UTV in some of those, in some of those single tracks. And that was their pack out method in the whole nine quarter by quarter type deal. Um, so I think with the spreadsheets, man, it, it just helps. 
itemize everything and then it keeps your head in the game as you're going through that and through that process. There has to be a method to whatever, however you're going to do it. I personally don't use spreadsheets and it's not because I'm against them. It's because I have such bad ADD in my mind. It's just how my brain works. It takes too long for me to do that. I got other stuff to do. You know what I'm saying? Like my brain is constantly running hundred miles an hour all day long. So I can't sit down. I don't have the patience to sit down and do that. And it's, it's, it's kind of a curse, but I, what I do. So like, let's just say meals. Okay. I know I'm going in for 10 days. So we set up a base camp and we will take a few days and day hunt. We'll spend a few nights, you know, we'll, we'll head deep in the back country, hunt a few nights, whatever we do it all. We don't, you know, we're not subject to just this or just that. So for meals, I'll get one gallon or two gallon freezer bags. And in each bag, I'll plan out every day's mm-hmm. meals in those bags for, uh, so let's say I'm going for 10 days. I know I'm not going to spend all 10 realistically. If you're going on your first elk hunt, please do not plan for spending 10 nights in the back country out of your back. You know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't do that. You're setting yourself up for a very tough 10 days. And I'm not saying it can't be done. I'm just saying your best bet would be to get something set up for, have a base camp. You can come back to, to refresh. I mean, halfway through our trip every year, we take one day in the middle of the trip. We go into town, we get a good shower, we get a good meal. It refreshes and I mean, regenerates us a hundred percent to get back after it. Physically um, and mentally. Yes. Yes. Cause by then, if you haven't been into elk, you are like, uh, F this, I'm done. You know, you just, start, your mind starts just rolling. Mm-hmm. So what I'll do is I'll say, okay, worst case scenario, I'll say, I'm going to be away from base camp for six nights, six full days. So I will pack, uh, two or three bags, these Ziploc bags for a day hunt, right? So they'll just have, you know, uh, something to have with my morning coffee. So I'll, we typically would eat breakfast at camp. We make up a quick batch of eggs and we'd have a, have bacon to throw in there. We'd have bacon and eggs in the morning, maybe some tortillas, some wraps or a peak refuel scramble. And we'll make tortillas out of that because it's a quick make and you can make about eight tacos out of that thing. So you can eat breakfast at camp and hit the trail and I'll have my, my morning coffee pack for about 9am. We'll stop, we'll have a snack, cup of coffee, and then we'll head on. I'll have my lunch and then I know I'm coming back to camp that night. So I don't pack, I won't have another meal for dinner on the flip side. And then I'll also have like, what I like to do is keep a a pack of those starburst chews, the little candies. Mm -hmm. I keep them in my stretch pouch or my pack. Cause listen, I understand there's a lot of hype around that. Got to have granola and three days of eating that, garbage will get to you <laughs> period like i sometimes just having that two or three little starburst candies are just amazing um but anyway you do you you pack how you want you eat how you want i i, I mean i could care less i'm just saying it, it's truly helpful 
I know a guy that packs gummy bears. I know a guy, you know what I mean? Just mine's Swedish fish, buddy. Oh, I love those things. Now that's probably going to go in my pack. I didn't even think to bring that. That, that might go in my pack. I get the little, uh, they, they sell the box of, actually I ordered the wrong one last year, but it's like a little single serve of them. And there's, oh, I nice. think there's like eight or nine of them in the bag. So I do the same thing as I throw them in my nice. little, my little day to go. Last year I ordered a box of them off of uh, Amazon thinking that it was the small packs and it was like 50 of the full size packs. <laughs> I had Swedish fish for, man, I think I just finished them a couple months ago. That's awesome. Um, so I always have a mountain ops ignite. Now some people are like, well, you know, the caffeine or whatever. I, like for me, mountain ops was the only one that, that I could take that would last me at least eight to 10 hours. Like when I take that stuff, it is, I don't get like this crazy, Oh, let's go. And then die out. Like the mountain ops for me, when I take that ignite, those, I just carry those single packs. It lasts almost all day. So another thing I'll, I'll throw in there is maybe a B12 chew for the afternoon. I'm starting to really die out. Just throw that in and you know, but anyway, so my day, my day hunt, I'll have a, a baggie and it'll have my coffee pack in it. It'll have, you know, sometimes it'll have those Jake's peanut butter packs or whatever they are on. Mm-hmm. And I'll just bring a half a bagel and I'll just spread that peanut butter on it and eat that bagel with my coffee in the morning. My lunch will be, it could be those tuna packs. You buy them for like a dollar at Walmart. Um, I mean, there's just unlimited. I mean, whatever, whatever you like to eat. And then I always pack one meal in every bag, like a peak meal or a Sasquatch fuel or, you know, any meal like that. I go, one of them goes in my bag always. And it could be a lunch, it could be a breakfast, whatever. I always have something somewhere throughout the day. I don't want to eat a ton of them because let's face it, those things really mess with your stomach days on end of eating them. Well, they do me. I don't know if they do everybody else, but most folks, man. <laughs> yeah. So if I'm packing overnight for a few days, then I'll, you know, I, I have a tub and they've got these Ziploc bags. So I know I'm going to be there two days. Okay. I'll grab this bag and this bag because this bag has got a dinner in it as well. So it has an extra meal in it. So I know now I'm set for two days. I got plenty of food. I don't have to worry about it because I, I typically eat about 4,000 calories a day while I'm at home. So on the mountain, when I'm expending 10,000 calories hiking around, I need a good amount of food. Or some guys can eat a bar in the morning and go hike all day. I would die. I'm, I'm, I'm actually re- really happy that you brought that up, right? And that's one of the things that, that I don't think guys realize is, is the amount of caloric expenditure on the mountain. And when your calories are down, your mental starts to suffer. When that mental starts to suffer, everything just starts to go, right? Because you're already beating the hell out of your body. Uh, And then when you start feeling it, man, because, you know, and I know guys that are packing 2,800 calories for a day. And I'm like, that, that ain't near enough calories. You're, you're gonna, your output is in my head, right. Depending on how you're hunting, but if you're moving all day in some of that country, you're, you're at bare minimum a 6,000, yeah, you know, and, and dudes don't replace it. And man, what a detriment. And then the fats are too low. Right. And, and yeah. you know, 
with the fats, the fat part of that, right? And I'm not going to try and get all right. nutritionist, but but the fats really help sustain that mental well-being. And that is that is a huge plus when you're getting your ass kicked. Absolutely. Because, you know, you get the sugary stuff. Yeah, it might give you a jolt now, but you're going to crash your brain. Oh, that stuff yeah. burns quick. Really quick. quick. You know, I learned that the first year that we went on our own. I... I cut my meals down because they didn't use much the first year I actually elk hunted. So the second year I went, uh, we had it all mapped out. We're gonna. This area looked really good on the map. It looked like an easy hike between the. You know, we fall and drop into this canyon. We'd be in the canyon. We can roll it right out to this meadow. There's a there's a spring in this meadow, and I'm like, it was awesome. So we thought it was the most treacherous hike I've ever been on in my life, and it ended up being about 5 p.m. We we went through all our food. Um, and my old man cooking his meal for lunch spilled two full cups of water. So he was already down water. Now at 11 o'clock in the morning, we stopped for lunch and we continue. So we were out of water and out of food by like five o'clock and it was 80 degrees and we were seven miles from the truck and we had some treacherous drink. Now it may not sound bad to you, but from a guy from Indiana, whose most calorie expenditure in a day is probably 2,500 calories. That's huge. Mm-hmm. That's so, huge. Elk country, man, that's huge for anyone, right? With that, with that kind of country again, and, and there's guys that can handle it, but, but those guys that can handle it, even the seasoned guys, they're not out there with minimal calories. I mean, those guys are dumping calories. Yeah. And that was the thing. So, I had never, this, this was all new to me. And so we're halfway out. And when I say this 100%, my legs couldn't hold up my body. I had nothing left. And I like my old man was falling down. I'm like, I'd be walking and my legs are just gone and I'd hit the dirt. And finally I fell out and I couldn't stand back up. My buddy had to come lift me i couldn't even my brain was telling my legs to move and my legs weren't moving like i was that bad off and uh, i thought i was gonna have to hit the sos button and i was able to i can hear running water in the distance i'm like we got to get to that water period the end like there's no other option so we we made it through it we get down the water and little did we know it was a straight cliff like the water was along the road so that's what we were shooting for and it was a cliff up to the road. There was no way to get to the road. And so we had to wade this river. And I mean, it was like a mile and a half to two miles up this river and we could not get a spot to get to the road. But anyway, we get back to camp and my buddy's sitting there and, and my old man's like, I'm going to bed. I said, no, you're not. You're going to eat. I don't, he's like, I can't eat. I, I said, you're going to eat. Mm-hmm. You have to replenish these calories. You're going to wake up in the morning. You're not going to move if you wake up at all. <laughs> so I'm like, you need to sit down. You need to eat a meal, drink a protein shake. I don't care what you do. Just put something in your body. He's like, all right. So he sat down, he ate, I ate a full meal. And then I had a protein shake on top of it. Cause I'll bring packs of protein for protein shakes. Mm-hmm. Cause that, I think for me, that's one of my biggest replenishments. And it helps me in the next morning when I wake up, like I'm giving back to my body while I sleep. Right. So, um, and he made, my old man made these homemade power pack with all these superfoods. He made these protein bags. And, uh, so he ate that and we were 
the next, so he's my buddy sitting next to me says, Hey, he says, you're not gonna believe how many calories we burned today. And it was 10,800 calories on his watch is what he burned. And I was like, that's gotta be wrong. Like you can't burn 10,000 in my mind. You can't burn 10,000 calories in a day. I never even heard of that, but apparently that's, that happens a lot. Oh yeah. It's absolutely. I, I was not prepared. I had like 1800 calories worth of food in my bag. You know what I mean? Like, like I was super unprepared for that. Now on the flip side, don't pack your bags full of so much food. You know, I, it's not necessary. It's not always going to happen that way. Just know that have a plan and make sure you're prepared that if something goes bad, that you have a little extra, you know, whether it be a protein bar or something that can really snap in and, and get you where you need to go. Yeah. So, so the way that we do it, right. Is, is, well, okay. So last year the plan was to pack in, and live out of our backs for a few days um, unless there was something that triggered something else. And we get in the day before season, the elk are bugling right there around camp, right? Or where we had set up, parked. So I said, well, crap, guys, let's go ahead and put two to three days of provisions in our bags. And as we set out tomorrow, we'll figure it out, right? But the plan is to, you know, not pass by elk to hunt elk or you yeah. hear it all the time. So we actually, you know, would care. We carried a couple, three days for the first few days. There was two or three days of provisions in our, uh, in our packs. And we were, dude, last year was, was cake because we were within a couple miles in, at any given moment of, of where we ended up setting a base camp. So then it was like, okay, we can pull this stuff out because the elk are here. We just got to just got to kill one. It's the killing part of it. Right. (laughs) And, uh, I, I always carry my day's food plus an extra day. So the extra day of food is in, you know, uh, it's in a Ziploc, right? I've actually used the, uh, the vacuum seal and that's in a, in a, uh, green, like Walmart waterproof bag, right? The little fold up clippy ones and i just keep that in there because you know you don't know what's going to happen you don't know if you're gonna you know arrow that bull and you're out there until you know midnight so i always have that backup food um even you know like i carry the sasquatch and uh there's a a breakfast that that andrew has and uh that one i just you know cold water it if i have to but it's in there because i don't want to carry i don't want to carry the uh the little stove or whatnot, you know, the jet, the jet boil. Um, I hate even saying I use jet boil, but (laughs) so convenient. (laughs) They hate us. Um, but I always have at least a day extra of food, uh, plus random snacks, right? Some kind of, I like those nature nature's bakery bars. You get the big giant box at Costco and, uh, I keep those in the lid of my pack so that way I could just reach in and grab a bar on the fly. But I agree with you having, having something that's easy, easily digested, like a protein powder. Uh, for me, I use the first form stuff. Um, that's money, man. I mean, just, just to help with the repair, the additional protein kind of keeping in that protein synthesis as you're beating the hell out of the muscle, uh, is huge. So I would say at least two days of food provisions. Um, and then you got to remember, right. And I did it to myself this year where, you know, I, 
I don't know how many days we're in. We're a few days in and I got lazy, didn't repack uh, or replenish the pack from the, the day prior, left camp, base camp, not even realizing that I didn't replenish my food and had lightened up the load, pulled a bunch of stuff out. Well, we sit down to eat and it's, you know, freaking midday and I go in my pack. And as soon as I stuck my hand in my pack, I go, son of a gun. I didn't replenish, <laughs> you know, my, my food. I was, I yeah. screwed myself because, you know, that, that's just something I had to do. And then I pulled that extra day provision out trying to lighten the load and didn't put anything back in there. And man, that, uh, that sucked. And then you looking around, you know, your buddies are grubbing. And for me, it was just like, well, I'm not going to ask for your calories because I, I pulled a bonehead move. Now I'm going to ask you to risk your well-being and your hunt because I screwed up. So I just, you know, I'm the dude that'll suffer through it. And, uh, my buddy had, my buddy hands me Caesar hands me this nut butter stuff. I don't know if you ever seen them a little, it's sort of like what the runners and bikers use. And it's just like yeah. li- basically yeah. liquid nut energy. Dude, that shit is so nasty. <laughs> I, I opened the pack. That stuff hit my hand when I opened the pack. Cause I squeezed it. I about threw up when I saw it on my hand. Oh, that's awesome. It was, it was absolutely horrible. So I had to suffer through it. Um, but it was, it was a lesson, right? Like, you know, Hey dummy, why, you know, why did you pull that out? You do that because you've been in positions before where you ran out of food and now, you know, you put yourself back there. And like I say, luckily we were, you know, a couple miles away from base, but you, uh, staying up on that is, is huge, 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 huge. You know, one thing, like you said, it kind of brings up a point is, if you're at the end of your day and you're you're almost out of food and you are gassed beyond belief, I don't know, maybe the weather got hotter than you expected or whatever, and all you have left is a dry cracker bar, you are going to hate your life. I'm just going to throw that out there. I know that stuff's good for you, but for me, when I'm gassed beyond belief, the last thing I want is something dry and crunchy. You know what I mean? Like I, I know it's food and I know it's going to give me the proper nutrition I need. I... I, I can't do it. I, I mean, I will if that's what I have. But so when you're packing your meals, make sure stuff that you like, it's got to be something that's going to give you what you need to get through the day. But don't pack your pack full of uh, trail mixes and granola bars and, you know, nut mixes and and some healthy nut butters like get a variety so you're not eating the same shit every day because i mean you can and you'll get through it just fine and a lot of guys who eat two of the sort of the same foods and they live off that the whole week and i mean there's a lot That's of guys rough. that do a lot of cool shit that i wish i had the mental toughness for i just i just don't do it um Make sure it's something that if you're packing a lunchbox, right? If you're a blue collar guy and you're packing your lunchbox, it's got to be something that you would pack in your lunchbox on a day-to-day basis, you know, going to the, going to the nine to five. If you can't eat it like that, then don't take it into the Oak Woods. And, and, you know, one thing I do take with me too, for the same reason, um, I bring those, uh, I used to bring the little Kool-Aid it was a little like the squeezable Kool-Aid you put in a water bottle. Mm-hmm. I would bring one of those in my pack because three or four days of just drinking water. And what I would do is just drop two drops in with my lunch. So I had a nice, you know, bottle of Kool-Aid for lunch with right. my, 
it wouldn't be overdosed with sugar like you normal, but it would just change the flavor. So what I started doing was bringing those uh, noon electrolyte tablets. I love those. Yeah, drop two of them in your Nalgene and rock and roll. Now you've got electrolytes to keep you rocking. Like those are a game changer for mm. me. I, I love those things. Yeah, that, well, we haven't even we haven't even gone down the water road and how important that is talking about the meals. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then, it, you know, going back to the planning for the hunt, right? So, you know, prepare again, for me, it's a spreadsheet for Derek, you know, it's not, it might just be a list of things going to the store, yeah. but prepare, you know, you got to plan for your meals. If you're, if you're out there, um, for seven days, right. If a guy gets seven days and you figure you're going to double to triple your normal caloric intake, um, you're not shopping for seven days, on a on an everyday basis you're shopping for 14 days depending on that expenditure uh the caloric expenditure so you know shop heavy but but write it down and plan each day for me i label it right here's monday breakfast i go crazy with this with the damn vacuum seal but here's monday a.m and then the monday p.m bag and depending on how that hunt is playing out right i'm going to either have a.m. and p.m. in my pack or I'm just going to have a.m. plus my extra and then p.m. sitting in the back of the truck uh, waiting for me to get back to base camp. But, uh, you know, back to what I said, I'm a spreadsheet guy. So those the meals are absolutely mapped out. Um, I would say my quick suggestions to have in there is like some type of peanut butter, uh, squeezable peanut butter packets. I love honey on the mountain. Um, it's really good, quick energy. It doesn't treat me, uh, horrible. Um, but it has some huge, you know, carbohydrate benefits, right. In terms of that, that fast delivered energy. Um, and I love it. I'll have a little bit on, on a nature's, what is that? Nature's bakery bar. Those are great. And then whatever type of, uh, protein powder you like to drink. I carry a little, I believe that's a 16 ounce Nalgene that I'll mix proteins in, and, you know, some of the electrolyte type drinks in off the side. Um, you got anything and oh, quick references for, uh, for meals or, or snacks on the mountain that, that have helped you? Uh, the thing that, that I do like, cause it's a high calorie and it's small lightweight are those honey stinger waffles. Mm-hmm. I, I love those things cause they're small. Uh, and they have, they pack the meat, they, they're loaded with calories and, and things, you know, I, and they're just good. <laughs> they're good for you. And you need the calories. And then I like to bring is, you can get them at the stores, the little uh, Nutella packs. It's the Nutella with the uh, little breadsticks in them. Right. So you get a, a little bit of Nutella with, and you know, that chocolate Nutella is pretty delicious when, you, when you're out on the mountain. But, and I was, I never even had Nutella until last year. So that was new for me. And that was a definitely a bonus. And, and you see, you bring up a good point, right? Is, is calorically dense, right? As you want, because it, there's a trade off there is you're loading, yeah. you know, six, seven, 8,000 calories into uh, a Ziploc. Um, you want things that are calorically dense. And then if you, if you're getting your, you know, your, your typical, air quote, Walmart snacks, right. From the snack aisle, that's, that's pack weight. And that a lot of that stuff can get really, really heavy. Um, so calorically dense foods is, uh, is a big, big deal. And that's typically why my, either my breakfast or my lunch is one of those meals. 
because the meals typically are are a two person meal, right? Each yep. bag is is serving for two, and some of them are heavy and they're hard to eat. So you have to make sure that you're getting something that you know you're expending a lot of calories. It might be warm. Up, make sure it's a lighter meal, but they pack a ton of calories. They got good fats. They got they're high in sodium, which you need. I mean they're they're just it's the biggest uh nutritional thing that you can put in your body it's and they don't weigh anything yeah, um, most but, of them are sitting around most of them are sitting i'm gonna say between 1200 and 1600 calories in a bag i mean that's a lot yeah. it doesn't sound like a lot when we're talking about you know caloric expenditure being you know seven to ten thousand calories in a day but when you sit yeah. down to consume one of those uh it's a whole lot man and then for me, at least, you have to look at your output versus that input, especially when you start talking the really high sodium stuff. Um, not yeah. last year, the year before when the guys in camp, he was, I mean, just scarfing one night, man, just starving, right? I think he ate like a peak and a mountain house. And I'm like, dude, you better watch. That sodium is so high. And yeah. I remember he climbed up in his uh he had one of the rooftop tents tony and he climbed in there and he jumped out a little while later and man i shit you not his arms like his forearms and his hands were it it, it looked like he got eaten alive by like hornets or something got him and they were swollen. just they were swollen from the sodium just gelatinous looking so you yeah. really have to watch the, you know, and some guys, I mean, not not all of us are spring chickens, right? Uh, yeah. You really got to watch that sodium intake with the output and how much water you're drinking. Yeah, absolutely. With all that. A lot of them are high in sodium because that's what you need because of your expenditure and what, you know, what you're bringing in. But, yeah, that is a good point. You got to make sure you're not eating too much. And then, I mean, if you uh, look at, you know, like uh, – like peak man they have some really tasty meals right high high in calories oh. Um, oh, yeah. and there's you know they're up there in the sodium and you look on the other side of that with something like sasquatch um where the sodium is controllable to the point right because most of the yeah. sodium in sasquatch comes from the jerky which is basically a supplemental pack that's in the pack so you can actually watch you know how much of that you're you're taking into because i i absolutely love his meals i Oh, my dude. top favorite, my two favorites are Peak and Sasquatch. Mm -hmm. Like those are my go-tos all the time. I can't eat anything else. If, if I eat some of the other brands, dude, it's like what bear was in camp <laughs> while we were yeah. asleep. You know what I mean? Yeah. It is not, uh, that shit is not pretty, man. And then, so what do you, what do you think in terms of water, right? Because there's a ton of different filtration. Um understanding what you have the best you can, right? In this scenario, right? A lot of guys don't have the opportunity to go out and uh, get a scout in, or they had, this is their first year. Um, so water is a, is a huge risk. I know for, for me, I don't, I don't like to travel. If I'm going somewhere where I know they don't have water or doesn't have water spring or a Creek or something, then I got to bring water with, but I don't like to travel. That's a lot of weight. You figure uh 8.2 or 8.4 pounds per gallon. Um, you should be drinking at bare minimum. You should be drinking a gallon a day plus whatever you're using for your meals 
plus if you're drinking coffee so you have you need a shit ton of water out on the mountain so what are you doing how do you supplement that water are you filtering everything are you taking water with how's that look so when i we before we leave we go to well the first year i went to well, we've got a grocery store down the road i went in there and i bought those five gallon or 20 gallon jugs like they go in the dispenser water dispenser jugs mm-hmm I bought five of them for the 10 days for in-camp water. So every morning we'd fill up our bladders in that. And so we'd have our bladder water and I'd fill up my Nalgene in the morning with one Ignite. So my morning drink is my Ignite. As I'm hiking, I'm drinking the Ignite. Um, so now we just fill those, those up with the hose water. So we have cooking water camp and we fill the bladder. Like I always fill up my, after that day that I we did that, 10,800 calories and we, everywhere where they showed water on the map was dried up. I will not, not bring extra water with me and it does weigh a little more. Um, but I always pack my Sawyer squeeze. I, I, the micro squeeze, I always pack that. I know a lot of guys are against or like, they're like, nah, I don't like that. It takes too long to filter water. Um, or they use something a little like a, uh, like a catadine or something a little more complex or, some guys just use a SteriPen, right? Or tablet, aqua tablets, uh, whatever works, you know, whatever you like to do that, I mean, whatever gets the job done. Right. Um, for me, the micro squeeze doesn't weigh anything. You could strap it on a, on your, on your water bottle, or you can hook it in line with your, uh, with your bladder, whatever you want to do. Um, and I keep that with me, but typically I rarely finish my whole bladder. I'm usually get about three quarters of the way done. Uh, if it's hot out, I will, but if it's, you know, fifties, anywhere between sixties and below, I, I don't, I'll drink my, my ignite that I've poured from camp water. If it's a day hunter, I'm just heading out. And then, you know, I may fill it up two, maybe three more times throughout the day. And I still, still have a quarter and I only use a two liter. Uh, a buddy of mine uses a three. That's the extra way. I just, I don't know. <clears throat> I feel like I could find water if necessary, if I had to. Um, but that's kind of how I look at it. I got, the added water that we bring with, it's just a luxury. It's not necessary. It's just something that, like, I always bring a pack of steaks. Every year I bring a pack of steaks for that, like, day three or four when you're like, eh, and you just want something good, a good protein pack meal. Like, I will have a pack of steaks for every, whether it's venison steaks or I'll buy steaks at the store. We'll have something just as like a treat, right? Mm-hmm. Something nice. Like, I'm, if you haven't noticed, there's a pattern here. <laughs> I like to do a lot of things that are like, like candy or whatever. I like, I like to enjoy myself. Right. Um, I'm still, I still go with, without a lot. I just like to have a few things here and there, I, but it's a big deal, right? When you, when you get out there and you go, okay, I'm. Uh, if you if you have that mindset of I'm going, I'm that backcountry guy, and I'm gonna only have this bar and this trail mix and these dehydrated meals, and then you realize the ass kicking that you're actually gonna take, and that stuff starts to become super monotonous. 
right? And it doesn't yeah. help the it mental hits you state. At once and it's typically too late when you're already in the hunt five days and you're like, man, I really wish I would have packed something different. Yeah. It sucks. I mean, that shit, dude. There was one year I went and I had Sasquatch fuel, mac and cheese. That was it. That was my dinner every single night, right? Fucking mistake. You know, it was just like, oh my God, what did I do? And then I did bagels. And that, the tooth of bagels, and that's the thing. Like, bagels are great. The problem is, I did. So I did bagels with cured bacon and peanut butter and then we would take honey packs and we would put that on there well everything was vacuum sealed because bagels are volume right because yeah. of, they're so airy so i vacuum sealed them as i'm vacuum sealing i'm kind of pressing them down get some of that air out so they just get real streamlined dude try and eat a bagel that way and it sucks day one you do that for four days and i would take everything and eat it off the bagel and then i would just feed the birds man i'd hug that damn <laughs> i'd hug i couldn't eat it i think we went that's the year my boy went so i did i did two of those a day for each of us we had planned 16 days so we had 32 bagels I think we made it through seven of them and it was just like <laughs> F these things. <laughs> they were, dude, you, it, it, everything just gets so, it gets so monotonous, right? It yeah. just, it's like screw that you gotta, that to me, that's the biggest thing. Have some flipping variety. Yep. You gotta have that variety. I, I remember we were getting our butts kicked and uh, I was like, okay, we're going to peel down. We're going to go down. We're going to just have part of the day in town. So I think we hunted the morning and uh, it was pretty quiet in the afternoon. So I said, all right, let's go. We went up back to camp and then, you know, drove down to town, which is not an easy drive. Um, and we went to the grocery store and grabbed a few things, just some pick me up stuff and went. There's one diner in that entire town. And uh, went into that diner and sat down and ordered a pizza. My boy got a burger. I got a burger. He got onion rings. I got Chris cut fries. I think we got, I want to say we got like mozzarella sticks and some jalapeno poppers. Do we left? And there was everything was devoured <laughs> absolutely <laughs> devoured but we went when we were there i was like I, we got to get some food so we went to a little you know general store and uh i think they had they had uh just regular old you know white bread like it wasn't wonder bread but you know might as well have been like yeah. blue label bread uh some some mayonnaise we got some hot dogs and something else we had got i don't remember Anywho, we were up in camp and we're making this and, and I would cook and my boy would plate everything. So uh, I was just like, man, I, I need to up my fats. My mental's bad. And I just I I just enjoy that, you know, that that the sensation that that extra fat content provides. And uh, he goes, you want mayonnaise on uh, you want mayonnaise on both sides? And I'm like, yeah, you know, hook it up. <laughs> So he's plating everything and he brings it over to me and I go to pick up the sandwich and I f 
fucking hand, dude. I my hands in mayonnaise, and I'm like, why the hell? I said you put the the freaking bread on here backwards. And he's like, what do you mean? I go, well, you got the mayonnaise on the outside, and he goes, well, I asked you if you wanted mayonnaise on both sides of the bread. <laughs> so this that's where you're at mentally, right? So this dude takes each slice, both slices of bread. <laughs> On my on my hot dog sandwich, I think we had eggs on it too, and he and he mayonnaise all four sides, both insides, oh both outside. I shit you not, man. That was the best mountain sandwich I've had ever. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, damn, this isn't bad. Mayonnaise dripping all over my fingers and shit. <laughs> it was oh man, it was hilarious. But but the 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 pick me up when you do stuff like that. Back to the point, the pick-me-up is, is absolutely wonderful. Dude, our our moods were better. The next day, we were gung-ho again and just ready to go. I mean, the food, you, I can't put enough emphasis on really looking at planning those meals and, and really setting out to provide yourself good, just good calories, but also a good mindset, right? We, we tend to use food as comfort and we forget about that when we go out on these trips. And I think yeah. it's hugely important to, to have that little bit of comfort. Um, you know, the big, the biggest thing is overall, go enjoy yourself. Don't be too hard on yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, you, the bottom line is you're going into unknown country, unknown everything. And a lot of the guys that are like, this is what I take. This is what I do. These guys have been doing it for years and they know what they like. They know what their bodies handle. And they know, you know, what their mental is like. Right. For a lot of us from the East head and West, we don't know any of that. So for us to eat what these guys are, are saying, yeah, you should probably take this, eat that. It's great advice. And, and all that, all those foods are good for you. And, but if that's not stuff that you're used to, and that's not a constant thing that you've experienced, you're going to find misery. And so, yes, those things should be in your pack. And yes, you need to eat them, but enjoy yourself because especially if it's your first trip, you're going to put yourself through misery. And the more times you do that yourself, the less likely you are to go back right. and the less likely you likely you are to enjoy those experiences. You're going to hate everything about it you're going to hate the fact that you're not going to understand why people do it because you just have to understand there are levels to the types like me i'm i'm not an extreme elk hunter i'm i love elk hunting it's it consumes most of my year uh, but some most of the guys that i know are hardcore and things are are broken down very precise and, and you know like you said earlier, based on caloric intake only, they don't think about, yeah, I want to have these nice things and these, you know, they just eat this dry stuff that just gets them through the day. I, I mean, think about like Aaron Snyder, that guy eats like nothing throughout, you know what I mean? Like he'll pack minimal stuff. He talks about, it. it's like, personally, I would, die. I'm, I'm just a wuss, apparently. I, you know, <laughs> but if you're, I'm just saying, if you're going to go into something new, don't make it extreme. Mm-hmm. Go in there with an open mind. If you don't kill an elk, you don't kill an elk. You don't kill a mule deer. You don't kill whatever you're going for. Enjoy it. I know you're putting a lot of money into this. And, and for some of you, it might be a once and one and done because it's all you can ever afford. So you want to make sure you tag out. 
I'm just going to drop a truth bomb. It's not, it's more than likely not going to happen. Right. I mean, it's just the way it is. It's, you have to learn these animals live on their own terms. They, they live by survival and we live in comfort. So for us to just go out in their backyard and in their domain and try to, <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying you're not going to kill an elk your first hunt, but just Can't be start. real and enjoy yourself. Right. So Take it all in. I'm not even sure how we got back on the food that fast. And we were talking about water. And one of the things that you had said was that, you know, the Sawyer mini um, with the inline. And, and my only recommendation to that would be, you know, if you're going to use a filter with your bladder, make sure that you have a, another bladder. Right. You don't yeah. want to, you know, get get creek water or, or at least an algae. Yeah. Stagnant water. Uh, and then, you know, go and reuse that thing. You, you run the risk of, uh, those back, you know, virus, bacteria, protozoa or whatever, um, getting into your clean water source. So just watch that. Um, and then, you know, some like for me, so I have, I carry that, that Sawyer mini and yeah, sometimes, right. You you know, you sit there and you got a Creek that has a very low flow. Uh, it's a little harder to fill up. Um, so I like the, uh, the Sawyer, the S3, um, that yeah. thing is, dude, it is, I was drinking out of pissy wallow and, and had no odor, nothing. I mean, that thing is phenomenal. Heavy metals, pesticides, odor, that S3, um, it's a little pricey. I think it's a hundred bucks, 105 bucks or something like that. Um, but man, it is, uh, to me, it's, it's my, that's my go-to water filtration. Um, yeah. you know, it, it, it's super easy. You fill it up, you squeeze close it, squeeze it 10 times and you're good to go. Um, not doing anything but that. So that's, uh, that's my recommendation in terms of the, uh, the water filtration. I don't trust the, like the SteriPens. I've never done them. I just, uh, and I, and guys use them. My buddy was using them. He was using it last year, you know, with, with success, but, uh, it just worries me. (laughs) (laughs) And then the smell, right? I mean, some of that water is stagnant and and that's the one thing, you know, with like a SteriPen or or some of the other stuff is it doesn't get rid of the odor. Um, And then it makes it hard to palate. Drop those in there. You're still drinking pissy water. It's just not going to kill you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that, you know, the, the, the palatability of the water, especially to sit there and, you know, feel refreshed is a big deal for me. So I like that S3. Um, Trying to think, man, what's, uh, I guess, I, I guess part of it too, is that we, we, we sort of touched on it, but we didn't is what type of hunt are you looking for, right? Are you looking to go out and be an elk and try and figure them out? And yes, you want to ultimately kill, you know, an animal, but there's so many, there's so many aspects or so many ways that you could attack it, right? You can base camp it, you can spike out, um, Shit, you could truck camp or you can, you know, you could do your truck mobile or boot mobile type camps, um, you know, where you're kind of chasing those animals down. You guys, um, you guys are basing or are you, are you looking to all all of it? We always set up a base camp, always. Uh, I know a lot of guys don't because they like to remain completely mobile. Uh, But we always have a base camp and in the morning we'll we're willing to drive 45 minutes in the morning to get to our spot you know what i'm saying like so if if we're day hunting then we'll just hunt directly from camp um 
but typically we'll take a few days and we'll just hunt from our packs. We'll just drop camp wherever we stop for the evening. And, and that's it. Uh, we haven't really done any spike camping uh, just because we don't, we haven't gotten far enough back where it's like seven miles or where we can drop a spike camp and then hunt another four miles from, you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. we've never, we've never had to. Um, I guess a lot of places are like, yeah, get away from everybody. And, and they're all, you got to go miles deep. It's, I mean, sometimes you don't have to, sometimes there's pockets within, you know, and that's something that I learned from Jonathan Metcalf was, uh, I, I was, well, I mean, we were burying it. We were going here and there. And he's like, look, dude, he's like, think about this. Think about how many people hit that trailhead and go all the way. He said, but there may be spots by the trailhead that are only a mile or a half mile or not even might be a pocket that's holding the bull or there might, you know, so he opened up a lot of my eyes to a lot of that as well, where things I weren't thinking of, like I'd hit the trailhead head down, let's roll, you know, where honestly, uh, two or three times after once I talking to him, we broke it down. I was getting in, like you talked earlier too, you were getting in close to camp. Like, sometimes you're walking right by the elk. And and after my first year hunting, that was something I was talking with Michael Batiste about. I was like, Hey, you know, there's gotta be more to this. I don't know how many times I walking through the fresh snow and there's bull tracks going this way or that way. And I'm running past all this sign and, and we're just going, going, going. I'm like, mm-hmm. I feel like Bulls I'm passing game. up. Elk. I feel like I'm passing up elk to go find elk. Yep. And maybe that's just me because I'm inexperienced. I go, but this is kind of my thought process. He's like, no, you're right. He said, you know, there's elk all over but you got to find them so just remember sometimes you don't have to go 10 miles in to find elk sometimes they're even in heavily hunted areas sometimes they're, they're right half there. mile it might be a abstract way to get into somewhere and people just start looking at it because it's kind of a pain in the butt but well i think you a, never know. a lot of that too lends itself to you know what we hear and what we see and you know, getting that, um, you know, nobody can see it, but the, the bunny ears there, air quote, you know, back country experience. Um, yeah. I mean, honestly, if, you know, if you drove, <laughs> our drive is, uh, shoot, 45 minutes on a, uh, a dirt county divide road, then another 45 minutes on a, basically a single track wide, barely wide enough for the vehicles. Um I mean, that's honestly, it's backcountry. When you look at a lot of those areas, we're pretty heavily roaded. I don't care, you know, especially if you're looking at, you know, most of these states, you're pretty heavily roaded. Um, You might, from one road to the other, might be 13, 14 miles as the crow flies. Yeah. You go six miles, (laughs) you know what I mean? You're closer to the other road than you are. Yeah. So, you know, it really, I I think a lot of that lends itself to what people are hearing and seeing in in terms of, you know, back country. Do you want to, and then shit, we haven't, you don't even talk about packing that thing out. Um, Six, seven miles with, with a nice mule deer buck on you is, uh, is torture in that type of distance. You, You know, you imagine having to make four or five trips meat head and horns and whatever else is in your pack uh over four to six miles i mean you're talking you know 20 30 miles depending on you said you guys were hunting it was 80 degrees uh what about your meat uh you know having having your your plan uh fit 
not just how you see it, but what you're capable of and and how are you going to get that meat without, you know, without spoiling or you don't want to walk back six miles, make two trips and then start considering leaving whatever else is left down there and be that guy. Right. Because you weren't truthful about how far in you should be going. Um, Yeah, it's it's a you said it earlier, right? You start looking at those maps. And if you're not a guy that reads a lot of contours uh, or understands, you know, shaded relief maps and things like that, you look at it and it's like, oh man, I could do that all day. And you get to that country and you drop down, you get to that first, you know, that first park or that first meadow. And you look back to where you came and the 150 foot pine that you were, you know, you could tell you were parked right there. Looks like it's about two and a half inches tall. Um, you got to go back up there with, you know, 80 pound quarter, 60 pound quarter strapped to you a few times. So, yeah. uh, tempering, <laughs> yeah. te- tempering your, uh, your, uh, ego is, is a big, big deal when you step off into the elk woods. Yeah, absolutely. Shouldn't be a deterrent, though. I don't want to deter anybody. I just, you know, just be realistic about your expectation and your approach, especially if it's something that this is your first time undertaking it. I would say first time. I absolutely agree with you, man, is is have that base camp situated. Um, I don't want to for me, I don't want a six hour setup on a base camp that locked us in one year where we had, it wasn't six yeah, hours, no. but you get this big ass elaborate setup, right? Where it's, you know, four or five hours, everything is set up. Who the hell yeah. wants to take that down and redo it again? Right. You know, and typically we just throw up our canvas tent, which doesn't take too long with, with a couple of guys. It's up within 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then we throw up one card table for like the Oh, we got two, two card tables for the stove. And then the other one is for just like throwing gear, throwing gear out, you know, organizing things. That's it. That's our, that is our camp setup. We don't have anything elaborate, nothing crazy. We don't have extra canopies and shit everywhere. It's just the tent and a couple tables. That way, like you said, if you got to get up and go, you don't have to worry about wasting a half a day getting camp rolled up and getting out of there. Yeah, because that shit will lock you down because you'll look at all that yeah. and go, nah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and um, then fitting it. <laughs> yeah. You had to strategically pack the vehicles, man. You, If you're up and moving, you're trying to throw that shit in there and roll. Yeah. You know, I that was the first year I went. We had all that stuff set up. We had uh, – we had canopy for the food. We had a we actually had a shelter built with a with a roof for the bathroom. Nice. Um, yeah, well, it was a whole oh yeah, it was perfect. But if we ever had to move from there, it would have been quite the chore. You know, mm-hmm. we'd it would take us some time getting out of there. And so we that's something that we don't typically do. We typically try to stay as mobile as possible at all times. But you know, usually we start off like this past year, our first day, we dumped into the elk woods and we stayed two days. We didn't come back out right off the bat. Typically we'd go out for a day hunt just to get acclimated. You don't want to push yourself too hard, especially if you're coming from somewhere where you're not used to altitude. Right. Get out there a day early and just, just setting up camp. You're going to be breath. You're going to be out of breath. You're going to be tired. You're going to be winded, probably lightheaded. Things like this happen, especially at eight, 10,000 feet when you're coming from below sea level. So don't plan to get there, throw on your pack and run and gun. Uh, 
you may be able to do it. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying get there, get acclimated, get things set up, make sure everything's your, your bow shooting right. You know, spend like we typically spend the, the first day just getting things set up this year. We got everything set up. I had to sit down after getting the tent set up because I got lightheaded because, you know, the altitude, it'll do that. So I sat down, had some water, you know, ate a little bit of something and just, just relaxed for a minute and then got back after pretty, pretty slow. And then after about two hours, three hours, I was good. And we dove off the mountain and we hunted. We actually hunted that evening. But I would say if you're going and you're traveling a good distance, you need to acclimate yourself. If you're flying, even more so. If you're flying, you dump yourself into eight to 10,000 feet and you, you plan on hunting that day, don't. Do yourself a favor, get acclimated, let your body, you know, get used to that because you will know immediately that you messed up if you if you go diving off trying to climb mountains and, and it's your first day there. Um, driving, at least you're getting acclimated as you go. It's still... I mean, especially if you're going to Colorado, because you're still at like below 5,000 feet all the way to Denver. You know what I mean? And once right. you get into Denver, now you start climbing and then you go jumping somewhere and it's just a recipe for disaster. So make sure that, you know, you're, when you get there, you just take it easy. The first, I mean, if you want to go balls the wall day two, that's up to you. But I would say the day that you arrive, man, just, you know, pay attention to what your body's telling you. Have you flown in on any, or you're dry? You've drove to your. I'm only drove, and for that reason, that's the sole reason I won't fly. Is just I. So when I my first trip there, driving in, I hit the first. Pa- I don't remember the the pass is what they're called, but the first pass I hit was like eleven thousand two, right out the box, and I dropped off that pass, and we get in this these pastures, where uh, there's a bunch of ranches, and they had some antelope big group of antelope i'm like oh cool so i pull over to take some pictures i jump out of the truck and i felt like i drank a case of beer like i couldn't hold myself up i was holding the bed rail i'm like oh man so i got back in the truck and i laid back 45 minutes on the side of the highway i am laid back like with my eyes closed i couldn't catch my bearings no shit and i start going i get in the next pass same thing coming down boom it hit me again i pulled into the truck stop I got some fuel and I just sat there for a half hour. My saving grace for that was I was staying at somebody's house that coming in and he, he lives at like 7,500 feet. So that whole afternoon and evening I was, you know, my body was getting acclimated to that because our camp was at like 9,500. I was scared to death, man. I told him guys, I was like, oh, 9,500. So I was having some trouble at altitude and I was freaking out because all the podcasts talk about altitude sickness and all that stuff. And I'm like, man, and they're like, just take it easy. So we got to camp and just setting up camp. I was gassed, man. I was tired, but it took a day. Even hiking, I was out of breath, having a hard time, but I didn't overdo it. didn't push myself. I just listened to my body. And uh, now I don't have that problem. I go out there and my body acclimates fairly quickly and everything's good. But I, I couldn't imagine flying in and then being at 10,000 feet and going and doing, like, I just feel like that's not a smart move for me. Right. 
and and guys don't think that because you're flying in at 30,000 that that uh <laughs> that you're getting the yeah. same effect right it's a pressurized oh. cabin so you don't yeah the cabin's helping you out <laughs> you don't uh, you don't acclimate in the airplane that just seems like a whole uh, i never even consider i i don't like flying anyway um and then yeah. now given what you have to deal with flying and all the damn mask and all that man i i'm a driver and i enjoy yeah. for me i enjoy the road trip part of it man it's uh Absolutely. That's enjoyable to me. And then you have. Especially if you're traveling with buddies, mm-hmm. right? Well, shit, I, I did. Let's see. 2018, I went, I was solo. Um, 2019 was my boy. And then last year, Caesar drove up with me. He went back with Drew, but I flew my wife into Montrose, went down the mountain, picked her up. She spent six days on the mountain with me. So that was uh, that was 16 days to that point. She had to get back to work. So I drove her home, stayed home a couple of days. Uh, and was talking out there because the, the weather had turned to shit. I was like 40, 50 mile an hour winds. So I was getting reports from the unit. And once the wind died, I drove back out solo hunted and then came back um so that's a, that was a lot of damn trips man <laughs> yeah yeah but the hardest part was the last one coming back um that that was that was brutal it's it's an 18 hour drive just at speed limit um but something about where we cut through utah to get get to colorado Man, when you turn off that 15, dude, it is like a lifetime of road miles. <laughs> that's how, honestly, going through Nebraska, that's how it is, man. It, oh. It's it's a very long state to travel through. It's, uh, yeah, some of that, some of those road miles are brutal. I, I, I'm not, you know, I am complaining, but I'll, I'll be there this year. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> happy, yeah absolutely. Happy to do it again. Um but that's another thing. I mean, in terms of planning and <clears throat> preparation, you know, are you a guy that can sustain 12 hours on the road straight? You know, or are you going to have to to pull over and catch some shut eye? For me, I can do about 18 hours safely um, yeah. and just, you know, and not have a problem, not start dozing, none of that stuff. Um but that's that's my absolute max. I don't even like to push it that far. And that's on the way out. On the way back, I'm lucky to be able to pull ten without needing some sleep, right? Um, yeah. And then Matt, to me, you know, for me, it's mapping out if if I know I'm going to have to sleep, where is a viable place to sleep? Uh, if I'm going to sleep in the truck for a few hours, um, is there and that's a place? Another thing. Those of you concerned about you, that's how I saved money in my first year truck stops, rest areas, mm-hmm. slept with a pistol in my lap, got four hours of sleep overnight <laughs> and hit it and get it. And I, you know, I never, I never paid for a hotel room. I packed a cooler with some peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and a couple of sodas and whatever, you know, mm-hmm. just to spend as little money as like, cause it, when I, my first Elkhorn, I didn't have hardly any money. I was making like 45, 50,000 a year. And I didn't have a lot of money. So I had to save money where I could. So I knew no hotels. That was out of the question. And I allowed myself one restaurant stop on the way there and one restaurant stop on the way back. Just to break the monotony of eating. Because I knew, especially on the way back, after eating out of my pack, I'd like to have a nice meal on my way home. Right. 
So I allow myself one meal there, one meal back. And then, uh, you know, I pack the cooler for the other stuff. And then, you know, part of that for me, like with the drive is, is finding out where the truck stops are at. Right. And and that's a good, yeah. it's a good place to catch some shut eye, but then you could take a shower. Um, yeah. So, you know, I think I want to say most of them are around the $5 range to go get a nice hot shower. And they're, for the most part, man, those places are, are kept so well. They're clean. Yeah. Um, you know, going in there and getting a five dollar shower and uh, getting so, especially on the way back, right? When you're yeah. when you've been getting when you've been out there sweating and nasty for days and days and days. Um, that hot shower, man, that is uh, that is money, money dude. <laughs> Absolute money. Um, what do you think in in terms of gear, right? Because that's that's where I hear a lot of guys going, man. I don't think that I can go do this. And and for me, like my, I return to if you can do if you can get out there and you're safe to be out there, just go out there, right? There there is gear that is going to make us more comfortable. It's going to help us when shit turns, right? Because that's the one thing yeah. up at some of those elevations that time of year is the weather is all over the place. It go from 90 one day and then two days later, you know, you're getting dumped on with snow. Um, yeah. But I don't want gear to be the reason that guys do not go out and experience that if they're if that's something that they're looking at doing what do you right. think in terms of gear absolutely essential to have um to get out into the elk woods so i think if you're heading out the two things you absolutely need are a a decent pack and it doesn't have to be a 600 pack just something that you know just from review, whatever, however you research, and it's comfortable on your back that can haul meat. Mm-hmm. So it's got to be a, a comfortable pack and a, and a good set of boots. Um, make sure that you test both out. Make sure that you hike with them before going. Make sure you use them before you go. Don't take a new pack or new boots that you've never worn because you might find yourself in misery. I think those two are the most important, no matter what. I'm telling you, like I said before, your whitetail hunting stuff will work. It will get the job done. Uh, As far as a solid hiking boot, I think is necessary just because of the terrain. You don't need a sprained ankle or a broken leg or some crap because you wore cheap boots. Like, I, I really believe a good set of boots and a good pack are like your base and a good set of rain gear. After that, like, you can piece your gear together all you want. I went to garage sales. I got my, my backpacking tent was a Eureka. It was like four pounds, five pounds, something like that. It was a little heavier. It was a little two person tent. It packed down real small, but I got a garage sale for 20 bucks. That was my, my first tent that I took with me. You still have it. Uh, I still do. Yeah. yeah. See that. I mean that, that right there is the point, right? Cause you can still get by with that. Um, need be. Right. That can still be a viable option. So you don't have to go, you know, buy a five hundred dollar shelter. I mean, it's nice to have those things that help on the mountain. Um, They're all luxuries, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, you, you talk about any of us hunting that have been hunting for any amount of time because we've seen this boom in in, in tech, if you will, uh, in terms of our gear in the last few years. It's really gone crazy. But the majority of folks, man, it was uh 
it was BDU stuff, right? I mean, you're talking yeah. cotton and, and you know, um, maybe like Cabela's boots. Uh, yeah. You know, there's still guys that are out killing every year that are still rocking the Walmart camo and, you know, uh, yeah. $100 dance. I lost out with the boots uh, my first year because somebody on Facebook, just I just happened to open it. They just posted, just bought these Solomons. They were my size. I wore them on one hike. I can't stand them. And I know because I went to, we have, we don't have many places to try on boots here. Like we don't, we've got a Cabela's Bass Pro, but let's face it. The majority of those workers are, you know, minimum wage. They don't have a lot of hunting experience. They don't have a lot of knowledge with the products they're selling. Um, We have an REI that's two hours from here and we went up there and that woman, and now I know they're not huge hunting advocates. I get it. But the woman about the boots, I told her what I was doing. I told her, you know, the possibilities of what I'd be carrying on my back. She was explaining how the foot reacts under different weights. And like, she was extremely thorough. So I knew that the Solomons would work for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he's like, he was selling for like 80 bucks. I was like, oh, okay. There Cause they're is. like a $300 boot. I snatched them up and I got, I, I got, so the thing with the Solomons, it seems like I can get about two years out of them. So I went with a better boot after a couple of years of hunting, you know, but to get by, that's what I did. Otherwise I'd have just been hunting in my whitetail boots, which they're lace ups. So they would have had plenty of ankle support, but I would have struggled. I know, you know, so, I mean, going back to it, right. The point is for a hundred dollars, you got yeah. a pair of boots that, you know, would help you. And then you got, uh, you got a tent. Yeah. Are you, you like the six inch or are you an eight inch, 10 inch boot guy? I, ru- I run six inch. Oh, no shit. See, I don't, I don't really like the six. I'd rather, I'd rather the eights. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Anytime I get them taller boots, they really rub my legs and I start getting just raw from it. So mm-hmm. I, the lower ones don't bother me as much. So that's why I run them. I See, just have really a preference. Yeah, I, I'm kind of the opposite. I don't like how the six inch feel uh, because I feel that around my ankle more than I do the eights. Got it. That uh, that's a weird thing, isn't it? <laughs> I will tell you this: I learned quickly the sleeping pad is probably something you want to spend a little money on because I got part of that tent. So actually, it was twenty bucks for the tent and a sleeping pad, oh, and it shit. was an ergo mat, mm-hmm. I, and. Let me tell you, I spent five minutes on the ground on that thing, and I was miserable. Oh, dude. I was miserable. And so after year one, it stayed at the house. Uh, I I ended up getting a climate insulated static V. Mm-hmm. It's like 60 bucks it cost me, but well, not anymore. Oh, no, they're more than that now? <laughs> yeah, I think they're, uh, I think for the insulated static Vs now are a buck 32. Ooh, yeah, wow. they, they've gone up. Uh, They've gone up quite a bit. I will, I will say though that the quality in build is a little bit better than the the earlier ones. Um, oh, okay. Because I did this, I had you know the the sixty dollars shit. I think I got one on sale for Big Five. I think I paid like thirty six bucks. Oh, um, nice. Don't know why. I still have it. I don't know why it leaks air, but the son of a bitch leaks air. I mean, I've done everything. I think it's that valve. Um, oh, it could be. You know, I soaked it trying to find the leak so I could plug it, man, and that thing just leaks and leaks. But um, there's nothing worse than than exerting the amount of energy on the mountain 
and then having a crap night's sleep because either you're cold because yeah. you're on the ground or that damn thing deflated and you didn't get to do a, a thorough job. And I don't think you ever can of clearing the ground under the tent. Uh, yeah. There's something poking you in. It's just like, man, there, that's a that's a lose lose situation right there. Absolutely. It's horrible, horrible, horrible. But you don't have to overdo it on the gear. Um, the only thing that I would add to that, because I agree with you on on a, on something that's going to take that that load of the meat. But I would say with the availability and the cost of them now is some type of personal locator beacon, be it an inReach or the Zolios or a spot. Yeah, absolutely. Some kind absolutely. of emergency out, right? Especially because yeah. if we're talking to guys right now that, you know, are are looking at going or you know, they, maybe they've already went, but this is year two or three and they're kind of exploring more. I would say having an emergency out um, is is a heck of a peace of mind, if not anything else. Um, Especially the good thing about them, too, is like with the inReach, uh, day three or four, you're sleeping on the mountain and, now you know, your mind's playing games with you because it will 100%. Your mind will start running off. Um you can send a text to your wife or mm -hmm. even if it's a pretext and she'll text you back. And it's a really nice peace of mind knowing you have just that little bit of communication yeah. to uh, in, for lack of better words, the outside world, right? Like you don't feel so Isolated. desolate. Yeah. Yeah. That isolation will do it unless you're, you know, I, I actually enjoy that to a point, but it is nice to have that communication. Um, yeah, it is. And, and, and again, for the money, I think you can get the Zolios is, is kind of the same. Well, in terms of how you're able to communicate, like with the inReach uh, with that Iridium satellite. So you can actually text uh, full text. Right. Depending on the there's a plan. And I want to say the cheapest one is like eleven ninety nine. Yeah. Um, but for two hundred bucks, yeah, it's more, you know, it's there's another expenditure, but to be able to push a, a oh shit button and have um, emergency services there at, in, in some amount of time with your location is a big deal. Um, if you, I think if you want to be comfortable and like have a really good solid elk hunt transitioning from, let's just say a whitetail hunter, you're probably looking at about a thousand dollars in gear to be on the safe side. Like I said, you could probably get some garage sale stuff that will get you by a couple of years and you'll be just fine. Mm -hmm. But pack boots, shelter, sleeping pad, and that in reach, you're probably looking at about a grand. Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, you could definitely do it for that. And it really, I mean, it, it, you think about it, that's a one, it, the only, the, the downside is the, the the off chance that you don't have a pulse and you you know you're cold as a cadaver and you never want to go back. Um, yeah, you you know you just spend a thousand dollars that uh, you're never going to use again. But you you know you could probably sell it and get your your money, some of your money yeah. back at, at the very least. Um, yeah. But the chances are that these are things that you can use for years to come, and, unless you make the choice to upgrade as you learn and progress. 
Um, yeah, they're definitely investments. Yeah, so you don't, you know, you don't have to say, "Well, I need to spend a thousand bucks for my first year, and then I got to spend another thousand bucks the next year." That's not the case. You can spend that thousand, yeah. and if you're comfortable and you're happy with your situation, uh, and you can make a hunt, then that thousand can last you, you know, four or five years if you allow it to. The problem is that we fall sucker to the marketing so easily. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Every year I replace something. I always tell myself I'll allow myself one item to be replaced. And uh, this year, thankfully, I don't have to replace anything. But I've been sleeping in a zero degree because the first year we had some frigid nights. Mm -hmm. And this year, well, even last year wasn't too bad. But this year uh, was... I, I was sweating every night and there was nothing I can do. Uh, <laughs> so I'm going to jump to, I'm going to have a 20 degree as a backup. So at least I have something that's not so heavy. Right. <laughs> I, dude, I'm a, well, you know, I'm a proponent of the hammock setup, man, a hammock, a good tarp, a, a good bag that, that goes a long, long way, man. I can, I tried the hammock thing. Oh, I can't. I just, I don't know if it's just the way I sleep. I cannot get comfortable. No way, dude. To me, it's the best. <laughs> if you put me in a hammock, dude, chances are I'm falling asleep. Like if, if you know what I mean, we just set it up to break or something, yeah. I'm, I'm passing out. Like I cannot do anything but sleep in them things. It is, uh, it is the best sleep. I love it. And, but if, if for me, it's like, you know, volume in the pack, cost, it hits on every aspect for me. Um, yeah. Weather-wise, you know, if you have a tarp and, and you think the weather's going to turn, you put the tarp over you, and you're you're covered. It, it's there's really no difference between a tent, in my opinion, and the hammock setup with a tarp. Um, yeah. If you think it's going to be on the colder side, you know, take that that static V uh, insulated pad and you put it on the bottom of the hammock to offer a little more warmth. And if you're running the zero degree shit, most nights, you're not going to even zip that thing up. You're just going to have it right. in the hammock. Um, in case I, yeah. last year it was snowing and I was in my hammock, dude. It, it was just, you know, I threw on my puffy and, uh, I, I would zip the, uh, I was running the zero degree, the outdoor vitals and I'd zip that thing up probably, you know, mid chest, if that just below my chest and, uh, man, just out, dude, just, I, it's a phenomenal sleep. I swear by those hammocks. It's not for everybody. Cause my buddy, bought, <laughs> he bought his, well, both of them, they brought their hammocks and, uh, they, they, they couldn't sleep at night in the hammock. They would jump in the tents. They set their yeah. tents up too. And the hammock was like the, the nap spots. But for me, that's another option for guys too, because you can <clears throat> you can do some of those hammock setups for man. I'm gonna say less than 150 bucks. Yeah, absolutely. Freaking love those things. I think uh, the old man was sleeping in one this past year, and he got his from like Menards, which I don't know if those are nationwide or not. But um, basically, it's just like a lumber company. They got a small section. Mm -hmm. And uh, he got it for like, get the hammock for like 25 bucks. And uh, he just threw his sleeping bag and everything in it. And I mean, the whole setup didn't cost. He had the uh, mountain ambush shelter and that hammock. And so he's probably 150 bucks all in. 
I, oh, okay. So you got a mountain ambush tarp. That's what, $69. And that thing is yep. money, right? It's 10 by 10. Uh, yep. It could be used as a ground shelter. It could be used over that hammock. Use it as a tarp just to get out of the weather. So then you get that, you know, Menards... $25, $30 hammock, you're you're right around the $100 mark with, with tax. So yep. the only other thing you really need is your sleeping bag. I mean, you know, yeah. in terms of guys looking at expenditures, that's yeah. that's pretty freaking minimal, man. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I ran just the mountain ambush shelter. Now, this was a new approach for me. I've never gone that tarp style shelter. Mm-hmm. And uh, a guy coming from Indiana on a mountain with mountain lions and bears and I like literally the whole night I'm laying there thinking something was going to eat my face, but, uh, it, I needed that. It was something that, you know, it was colder than hell. We, it's snow. It, that's why we stopped for the days because the, the snowstorm got so bad. It didn't only snowed a few inches, but it, it came down like it was snowing feet. And, uh, it was like a real heavy, wet snow. So we got in our, our shelters and basically I slept in snow underneath that shelter and the wind was roaring and, I, and that one side was flat. I didn't have it staked down right. It was flapping the whole time. I'm waiting for like a mountain lion to peek its face around there to eat me <laughs> up. You know, like, I was like, I'm going to die. I, I slept horribly and I'm looking across this frozen tundra. What I thought it was to my buddies and his uh, big Agnes or whatever the heck he runs all zipped up snore. I can hear him snoring. I'm like, this is bullshit. <laughs> you know, but, that, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. But that, I think it really, it helped me. I made it through the night. Everything's good. You know, I, I was good. I, I don't know. It was just something that I had to do. Yeah. I and, think, I, and I enjoy uh, it now. I, I like it now. I think a lot of, a lot of guys think that that, zipper on the tent is going to take the 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 things that go bump in the night away you know what yeah. i mean how many dudes are laying in there it's just a peace of mind yeah but <laughs> is it really <laughs> you know what i mean at least if my head's sticking out a little bit i know what part the the mountain lion or bear is going to grab uh, right it, it really isn't yeah it doesn't do much it, it, it cracks me up like my buddy caesar he's like i can't do it i can't do it. i gotta sleep in the tent it's like all right bro <laughs> um yeah, that that's a, a funny element, but the mountain ambush tarp, man, you know, if a guy gets a tarp, just a bait, I don't care if you go to Harbor Freight and get a tarp, if that's, you know, if you're just trying to do the damn thing, if you play with it prior to getting out there and you set it up, man, and, and, you know, you kind of a frame it or you lean to, there's different little different configurations that you can do with a square tarp. If you guy them out, right, you know, stake them down, right. Uh, and play with it. You can get, you can get daggum near a, a enclosed shelter, right? I mean, it's yeah. it lends itself to you know some manipulating, um, and that's another point, right? Is play with that gear uh, prior to getting out on the mountain. Understand what it's capable of, what it's not capable of, and just play with it in the yard. You know, see how comfortable you are. Absolutely. Those uh, those ambush tarps, man. For the for the money are money. Yeah, you I, can't I would, be no. Uh, it just... I don't know if you know the guy. Uh, he he owns the company uh, Jacked Gear. His name's Jeff Ellis. So uh -huh. I met him at the Archery Challenge, and we're sitting down for pizza and a beer after day one or two. And I don't know the guy from Adam. I just met him, and he's he says we get to talking. We run the same pack 
We run the same shelter, the whole same sleep system. We run it the same. I don't have a bag. I don't carry a bag with me. So I only run the load panel on the frame. That's how I run. Even if I'm going, if I'm going a couple of days, I'll throw the bag on. Mm-hmm. But typically I run just the load panel with the lid. That's it. And, and I'll throw a dry bag in, in between the, uh, the load panel and the frame where mm-hmm. I'll keep my Ziploc bag of food and my rain gear. And that's how, that's how, I, that's how much, how I hunt all the time. And so he runs a mountain ambush shelter. He runs it. IA pack. He runs just a dry bag between like we were talking and every, it was pretty cool. Just, so, and I just met the guy. I didn't know. I, it was pretty cool. How, uh, the only difference is, is that he's a absolute animal and he, he hikes in seven or eight miles, sets up a spike camp and hikes, hunts another four or five miles from there. Like he, you know, he does it. That's a, yeah, there's some beast out there, you know, meat care though. That's, that's the biggest thing, especially solo, right? I mean, you have to have a plan. I don't care if you're not solo, you got to have a plan in terms of meat care. Absolutely. When you're talking, you know, that animal may net, you know, call it four to 500 pounds of meat. Um, And that's probably a little bit on the heavy side if you're talking, you know, a place like Colorado, but um, you got to be able to deal with that meat. Yeah. So that's a, that's a hell of a consideration for guys that don't know. Right. And, and I'm making a hell of an assumption because I, I'm not a Midwest hunter, um, but the drive up the road, and then walk out to the stand 200 yards and I can drag that, that deer that's not even field dressed to that road, throw yeah. them in the back of the truck and then take them to the shop, uh, and do my butchering. That ain't the case. Uh, and then when yeah. you're talking, you know, an animal, the size of an elk and manipulating that animal just to be able to get it quartered and dressed, um, yeah. you know, that that's all time that that meat is at risk. Right. So you have to, you have to temper again, temper what you think you're capable of uh, and understand that that extra four miles on top of that seven yeah, <laughs> is going to pose something. Right. I mean, and now if you got a, a, a fresh running Creek and you prepared and you can, you know, dip those quarters in that Creek and it's running and it's going to help keep them cool. You know, yeah, you bought yourself some time, but yeah, it's definitely, definitely a heck of a consideration. Yeah. So he hunts all over the place. He's pretty good about it, I guess. Yeah. Some, some guys have it figured out, man. It's like my early season hunt here. You know, it's, it's typically 110 to 115 degrees. Uh, and we're back quite yeah, a ways. Sit my ass in the air conditioner. Yeah. And, and dude, it's, it, it is absolutely, I don't even know why I do it. I, 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 it's miserable. But when you kill that animal, um, the first and primary with any animal, right, is is that one shot, quick kill. Hopefully he falls within an eye shot. Um, but you are you're shooting him. You're hoping you watch him fall so you can get over there, get your shit handled. And it's, you know, everything is going and it's packing out right now. And it is yeah. a flip and run. Um because at 110 degrees, and I mean, you're talking 110 degrees by nine o'clock in the morning, it'll teach you yeah. some shit about me care. Um, you know, you don't have a choice. But to, to look at an animal the size of an elk and think that that's going to happen is, uh, nah. I mean, you figure what, yeah. call it 60 pounds, you know, 50 to 60 pounds per quarter, maybe 70 on a rear quarter. 
Oh, that's a lot yeah. of pack weight, man. If you think you're going to pack two of those out and run, what did you say? Seven and four. So 11 miles. Um, yeah. That's, you know, that's brutal. That is absolutely brutal. You need some trekking poles for sure. Yeah. So, man, we've kind of shit, hit a bunch, man. What are what would you, you know, before we wrap this, what a guy, you know, getting prepared, give us your, give us your top five focus points for a guy looking to undertake this coming from the back east or the Midwest. Uh, I would say getting in shape, making sure you're, I mean, I know a lot of guys are like, oh, I'll come, like, I, I get it. Uh, but get in some sort of shape, even if it's, even if, if you're just walking around the block a couple times a week, do something because it's better than nothing. Get yourself moving. Uh, you're scouting. So I know you can't scout, but you can e-scout. And if you want my honest opinion, I would say Treeline Academy with Mark Levesay will be your absolute best bet for any e-scouting platform. It is, it is a little dry. It's just him standing in front of the camera talking uh, and going over maps. But that man, he's got it figured out. And he really just dives into every little bit, any type of transformation and timber and beetle kills. And like he, he breaks everything down. And it was the most thorough I've, uh, most thorough training I've gone through as far as e scouting. It, it's absolutely. I would say that should probably be one of your number one things you pay for. Um, Cause if nothing else, you can find your way around to find out that way. Um, uh, and if you're going to stick with programs, I'd say get like your on X or base map. So get those things in order. So you know you're, where you're going. You have an idea of how to get where elk live. Uh, like you had mentioned earlier, I would say another focal point would be, knowing your gear inside and out set up your tent five or six times get used to it um you know knowing that your boots fit knowing that ever all your stuff is ready to go you know that, you, that you're familiar with it because there's nothing worse that you get out there and you have no idea what you're doing you're spending hours fiddling with stuff trying to get it dialed in and uh I would say other than that, I mean, you know, calling, you don't have to be an expert, but at least try to get the basics down. There's plenty of sources out there for that. Um, and you can pretty much Google elk calling and you're going to get the elk nut. You're going to get Michael Batiste, Elk Calling Academy, um, you know, all those, even Corey Jacobson, Elk 101. He's on, he's on a podcast. Um, but there's a lot of avenues for that as well that you can jump on and really get dialed in there. So I'm going to add to it. Um, just go, <laughs> you don't have, you know what I mean? You, with everything that we've said, you, you, you don't have anything to lose in terms of just getting out in the woods and worst case scenario, you go out, you strike out, you learn, about yourself you learn what not to do you learn how to prepare for the next season uh but you can't do that from the living room wishing that you were there uh, you're gonna have failures for sure oh absolutely it's the you're gonna have failures and that's the best thing that can happen to you hands down that's the best thing that's the best thing for you 
I mean, listen, again, I'm going to reiterate this. I am not an elk hunting expert. I don't, I, I mean, I'm just scratching the surface on this whole elk hunting thing, but it, it, for me, my biggest gains are my failures in this whole standpoint. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just pack the truck and go. That's it. And don't fail by not uh, getting a subscription to Derek's Mountain Hunter Box. (laughs) (laughs) Extremely important. Especially especially if you're planning your hunt. So let's get a little plug. (laughs) Let's let's get a shameless plug for Mountain Hunter Box, right? And and there is some valuable stuff. I mean, and for the subscription cost and what you're getting in terms of gear that you can tinker with and take viable gear that you can take out on the mountain, man, it's a big deal. So why don't you plug, uh, plug mountain hunter box and where they can get it. Sure. Uh, mountain hunter box. It's a monthly subscription for backcountry hunting gear, or I just say back because it's Western hunting gear. So anything hunting in the mountains out West, um, hunting, camping and survival gear. And, uh, Sign up for monthly, three months, six months, or 12 months. Um, the longer the duration, the better the deal. If you were, I mean, I'm going to be very clear. If you are just a Midwest whitetail hunter or just a whitetail turkey hunter, you're you're probably not going to use a lot of stuff in the box because uh, you're going to get a lot of meals and, and, and quite a bit of camp gear that, you know, Western guys use it guys from the midwest and even the eastern guys probably don't use uh so but you can get that at the mountainhunterbox.com and right now we are running the i think you still have your coupon code going yeah yeah Yeah. uh is that western content right yeah i'll throw it in the uh the show notes in the description Okay. Yeah. So you still get a discount through Western Contours. Um, but if you guys have any questions, you can reach out to me on Instagram, Mountain Hunter Box on Instagram, Mountain Hunter Box on Facebook. I'm on Go Wild. Um, I've got a small little deal on Pinterest just to stay relevant. I don't really know anything about Pinterest. So I threw a couple pictures up and called it good. So if you get a delay in that, I'm sorry. I'm not on there a lot. But uh, if you have any questions, I'm happy to reach out and or be ha- reach out and I'll be happy to help anyone again. Heck yeah, brother. Well, I appreciate it, man. We'll, uh, we'll have to chop it up a little bit and see where this, uh, season's going to land you, but, uh, wish you the best out there, man. It, uh, it'll be fun to, uh, see you bring that bull home this year, man. I'm, I'm, I'm chomping. I'm chomping at the bit this year. So we're going to punch the old man's tag for sure. Heck yeah. <laughs> I'm so flipping anxious. <laughs> Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely, man. Thank you for the time. Hi, bro. Thank you for listening. Follow Western Contours on Instagram, subscribe on YouTube, and sign up at westerncontours.com. Episodes are available on most major platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. Subscribe, leave us a comment, and don't forget to hit that five-star rating. We appreciate the support, and until next time, lay them down.